Well, good morning and welcome back to Ridgepoint Church. Uh, maybe today it's your first time with us or your first time in a long time. It is great to have you with us today. I'm Clayton. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint. Before we go any further, I want to say a special congratulations to Chess, uh, Chess and Tandler. Who's that? I don't know a Chess and Tandler, but I know a Tess and Chandler. And they just got engaged yesterday. They were just up here on stage worshiping with each other. Congratulations. My brain misfires sometimes. I don't know what happens. but uh, <laughs> It's interesting that we are talking what we're going to be talking about today. But earlier today, uh, my son, he was in here for the first service. And he's supposed to go into kid care during the first service. It didn't happen because he was just having a bad day. How many people have bad days, right? I mean, sometimes it's inevitable we just have bad days. And my son this morning, it was so applicable because uh, right before I came on stage to speak, he was back underneath the chair in the main back row. He's four years old and he was just not having it this morning. Thankfully, he went to, to, to kids ministry this morning though for the second service. I'm so thankful for that. But let's just be honest. Sometimes we just have bad days. Sometimes I want to be just like Lincoln and I want to go ball up underneath the back row of chairs in the sanctuary and just stay there and block the world out because I'm just having a bad day. I mean, it's just sometimes we have bad days. And again, I need to say this out loud because I forgot to do it at the beginning. Happy Father's Day to all of our fathers here today. If you're watching online, you're a dad. Man, thank you for all that you do to provide for your families. And uh, thank you to all of our fathers here today. We're going to be really honest, though. Sometimes we have bad days. And just because you're a Christian, if today you, you know, call yourself a follower of Christ and, and you've been saved, baptized, whatever uh, you want to, to say there, it, that doesn't mean that you're going to always have good days. It's just the truth. That's just the way it is. I've talked to many people in the past that are like, hey, I've tried that whole Jesus thing. You know, I tried that whole God thing. I tried going to church. And, you know, I still have bad days. Things just didn't work out. But after I lost my job, I thought, I'm done with all that stuff. I'm just, I'm not going back there. I thought, you know, when I became a follower of Christ that, that, or I became a Christian, that I was supposed to have good days. And so something bad happens. He just couldn't, I talked to a guy just the other day that just couldn't understand why so many bad things were happening to him. He's like... He was under the impression, here's the thing, he was under the impression that if he prayed about something long enough or hard enough, that God was going to automatically do it. So when God didn't do what he wanted, the natural tendency for many of us, including him, is he began to doubt if God existed. And if he does exist, why doesn't he love me enough to give me good days? question is today, do you know someone like that? Or maybe, possibly... Maybe that's you today. You've been going through something really hard, really difficult, and you just start to question, does God love me? Does he even exist? Guys, we're in this series called Jesus Didn't Say That. Jesus actually said, let the little children come to me, okay? So we're just going to let the little children come to him today, all right? One of the, what he didn't say was, he, he didn't rebuke kids and say, you need to go back and you need to do this or that or the other. Hi, young man. How are you today? Good. He just needed to say hello, guys. He just needed to say hi. So, 
We're in this series called Jesus Didn't Say That. We're taking a good hard look at the words written in red. If you are not familiar with the red words in the Bible, in the four Gospels, Jesus said some things while he was on earth. And in the four Gospels, in some of your Bibles, it actually notates those words written in red. And so we want to talk about those words written in red. But in, for, in, in sometimes, in order to understand the magnitude and the power that is behind the words written in red, sometimes we have to take a look at what Jesus didn't say. Because what he didn't say sometimes makes us understand what he did say so much better. So check this out. Today I want to dive into something that Jesus never said. Jesus never said that once you follow him, your life will be perfect and you'll no longer have bad days. He didn't say that. He was on the earth for 33 years. The last three years of his time on earth, he was ministering uh, publicly. And Jesus not one time said, when you follow me, you're going to have good days. He didn't say that. He didn't say that as long as you pray a certain prayer, as long as you quote a, a few scriptures in that prayer, that he'll do whatever you want, whenever you want, and you'll have an, a, a, a pain-free life. He didn't say that. He didn't say that, that you're going to be happy healthy and wealthy for the rest of your life if you follow him. Jesus didn't say that. Unfortunately, there are a lot of churches and false teachers in the world today that tell you that Jesus wants you to be happy, healthy, and wealthy. And if you're not one of those things, then you're probably not a real follower of Christ. I'm telling you today that that is hogwash. Hogwash. That is not what Jesus said. As a matter of fact, Jesus wouldn't have said anything remotely like that. Let's talk about what Jesus did say, okay? We're going to talk about what he did say about having good days and having bad days. We're going to dive into the gospel of John today. One of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all four of those, those writings or, or those, those, uh, the gospels, you're going to see words written in red. These are words directly from Jesus himself. And we're going to dive into John chapter 16. Let me give you some context. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. Jesus was getting ready to die in our place. If you don't know anything about Jesus, quick update about Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. He was born a virgin birth by a young lady by the name of Mary. And so Jesus had to come and he lived a perfect life. He lived a perfect life his entire life. And once he got to the end of his life, he gave his life on the cross. There's a big cross that they made and, and they hung him on the cross. He died on the cross. His blood was shed so that you and I could have our sins forgiven. And we could be reconciled back to God the Father. That's exactly what Jesus did. And Jesus was the only one that was able to do such a thing. Because he lived a perfect life. He does not bother me in the least. If he bothers you, you need to be looking at me, not him. So, Jesus was preparing to give his life on the cross. And in his last moment, he had these 12 guys around him that were always following him. He called them out uh, uh, from the world and they were following him. And Jesus was teaching them. And right before he went to the cross, right before he died on the cross... He had some last minute words for them. And so that's the context in which these particular verses were written. Referring to his impending death. Like this is getting ready to happen. He knows it's getting ready to happen. And he's told his disciples that it's getting ready to happen. And in reference to and referring to that, Jesus says this in verse 20 of chapter 16. He says, very truly I tell you. You can read the words on the screen if you'd like. Very truly I tell you. 
You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Guys, listen. So I remember when Lincoln, my four-year-old son, came into the world. I remember when he was born. And I remember at that, and those of you that, that um, are here today and you have kids, you know the joy of seeing a child brought into the world. You understand that. I was in the room, of course, when Lincoln was born. And so you guys know the joy of seeing a child brought into the world. But it was very painful for my wife, right? It was those mothers out there, you guys understand, it was very painful for my wife. She struggled for a really long time. She was in labor for, for many, many, many hours. And I saw her struggle. She was in a lot of pain. I'm sure that she was super embarrassed because there was a lot of, um, I don't know, what do you call them? Um, uh, folks in the room that were not doctors yet. What do you call that? Lexi, where are you? Med students, thank you. There were lots of med students in the room. And, and the doctor came in. They were like, can these folks come in and watch? And my wife's like, I guess. You know, I mean, it's like super embarrassing, I imagine, for a woman. And, and, but yet she was embarrassed. But she was doing it because she knew that just shortly our son was going to come into the world. And we were so excited about that. All the pain, all the anxiety, all the anxiousness, all of that. As soon as Lincoln was brought forth into the world, all that was gone. All that pain, all that suffering, all of it was worth it because we had a beautiful baby boy. When, we, when the doctor laid Lincoln on Taylor's chest, all that pain was gone. It was beautiful. You guys know what that means if you are parents here today. Jesus said that you're going to weep for a while. You're going to mourn for a while. You're going to have some bad days, but your pain will turn to joy when you continue to walk with Jesus. Amen. He said it. He goes on in verse 22 to say this. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one, listen, Jesus says, no one will take away your joy. No one will take away your joy. Then verse 33, Jesus goes on to tell them why he's giving him them this message. Jesus goes on in verse 33 and says, I've told you these things so that in, my pre in me you may have peace. Jesus said, I'm telling you this so that in me you may have peace. And then he goes on and he says something else. He says, in the world. In the world. It's interesting to me that, that Jesus is saying, in me, when you're found in me, you're going to have peace. When you're in my presence, you're going to have peace. When you dwell within me, you will have peace. And then Jesus goes back to talking about being in the world. He's contrasting these two things, what it means to, to be in him and what it means to be in the world. He doesn't say that in the world, you're going to have great days as long as you follow me. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say if you're in the world that, that you're never going to experience pain. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say that you'll never have challenges if you are in him. Jesus doesn't say that either. Here's what Jesus does say. Get this. Everybody focus on me for a second. Jesus says in John chapter 33, In the world you will have what? 
Louder? Trouble. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. It's inevitable. No matter what you do, what you say, wherever you go, in this world, you will have troubles. You're going to face hardships. You're going to face persecutions. You're going to face some bad times. You're going to have pain. You're probably going to lose people that you truly love and, and question, why did this have to happen? In the world, you will have pain. And tragically, unfortunately, for many of you, right now, that's what you're going through. Right now, you're going through a season of pain. Right now, you're going through a season of hardship. Right now, you're going through a season of trouble. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you've lost someone. Maybe, maybe you've, you've lost your job. But whatever you do, it just keeps getting heavier and heavier no matter what happens you pray about it you talk to other people that you can confide in about it but the pain just continues to get worse you're overwhelmed and it doesn't seem like anyone understands you for some of you right now listening today you're going through this time now it's at times like this it's in moments like this when you're tempted to say i'm done with that whole church thing I'm done with that whole Jesus thing. Because, listen, I've been going to church every week for three months. I've been, every Sunday I'm there when the doors are open. I've been praying once a day for the past year. And Jesus, this is how you repay me? This is what I get in return? Like, I'm done with that whole church thing. I'm done with Jesus. Where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? Some of us are tempted to say those exact things. I've been working so hard for you, God. Why aren't you working so hard for me? I think I'm speaking to someone here this morning. But here's what I know to be true. Listen, real close. If pain is a promise, and it is, because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. If pain is a promise, then there must be some type of purpose behind why, what God allows to happen to the children that he loves so much. Can I tell you today that I don't care who you are, what you did last night, what's in your system this morning, or where you've been in the past 24 hours, God loves you. I don't, I don't care. You can stand up here all day and tell me I've done this, I've done that, I've been here, I've been there. I don't care. God loves you. You cannot run His love. It's impossible. Therefore, if he loves you so much, I can tell you right now, 100%, I never want to see my son and my daughter go through pain in this life. There's not a single parent in this room or watching online today that would ever say, sure, I want to see my kids go through pain. No one's going to say that. We work so hard to try to keep them away from pain in this world. Therefore, if God will allow something to happen that's painful in our lives. Surely, He has a purpose. You may not be able to say that. And you may not be able to say, Amen, brother, I agree. Yet. Surely, God has a purpose.
There are two blessings that we actually experience during trouble and hardship. Two blessings that we experience during trouble and hardship. The first one is this. Trials and hardships prove our faith. Hear me. Trials and hardships prove our faith. Here's why. In fact, in Peter's epistle, Peter wrote, Peter was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, and he wrote this letter, you know, and, and it was right around um, somewhere between 60 and 65 AD. And let me tell you what was happening. Peter wrote this letter, and in the context of this, here's what was happening in the world. What was happening in the world is there was this evil emperor by the name of Nero, and he was persecuting followers of Christ. He wanted to stomp out this whole Jesus thing. And so he was persecuting Christians. And listen, he was doing things to Christians that I can't even comprehend today. I can't even comprehend what he was doing to Christians. One of the things that he would do, guys, listen, this is terrible. We, we, we feel persecuted today. Guess what? In 60 to 65 AD, you know what Nero was doing to Christians back then? He would literally take the skins of animals that they had killed. And he would take those skins and he would put them around Christians, followers of Christ, and he would sew them up. And then he would set them loose and set wild dogs loose to attack them and tear them to shreds. And they would all stand by and watch it and applaud. You know what else happened? If you were a follower of Christ, they would dip you in hot wax, a big tub of hot wax. And then they would put you atop of a post in the middle of the garden. As Nero was entertaining guests, they would light you on fire to have light so that people could see as they're being entertained in the palace. Into that very context, into that very context, Peter writes these words. So be truly glad, Peter says. I mean, we could stop right there. I almost think like, I, I don't even understand in that context how you could pin those words. So be truly glad. What in the world is there to be glad about? Peter says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Wow. I mean, I just have to take a moment. These trials... We think because we didn't get our prayer that we, we weren't able to, to buy that car that we've been wanting for so long. That's terrible. We have to endure so much pain. We didn't get that, that raise at work. So we're being persecuted. That's terrible, isn't it? Man, I'm sorry. When I think about Peter saying that trials will show you have genuine faith. When he uses that term genuine faith, I think for a moment, if there's such thing as genuine faith, there must be something like counterfeit faith. If, there's, if he wants to say genuine faith, there must be a problem with counterfeit faith. And I want to tell you today, as a pastor, as many of your pastor, this is something that keeps me up at night. Counterfeit faith. Looks great on the outside. But on the inside, we are really far away from Christ. 
something that keeps me awake at night. The problem is our roots don't run very deep. You could call these faith roots if you want. But, but when your faith is founded securely in Christ, your roots of faith run deep. Not shallow, but deep. One of the reasons that I believe that this is true is that we have a lot of counterfeit faith in the church today is because I lived it. At a very young age, I gave my life to Christ. But I didn't live for Christ. I sang in the choir. I loved to sing. I'm not going to do it, Michael. <laughs> I love to sing. I would love to sing on the worship team. They never asked me. Anyway, I did it. I lied just now. I lied and I did it again. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I was saved at a very young age. I came to Christ at a very young age. I liked to sing. So I was in the choir. I knew all the lingo. I, I, I loved it. I, I knew all the lingo in the church. I knew when to stand up. I knew when to sit down. No one ever had to tell me. I knew like I knew it was page 120 is I'll fly away. It's exactly in the hymnal. That's where I always turn to. I want to sing I'll fly away. I knew all those things. On the outside, I looked like a Christian. On the inside, I had no relationship with Jesus Christ. Guys, I know that counterfeit faith is real because I lived it. And it keeps me awake at night praying because I don't want a single one of you to live a life of counterfeit faith. I don't want it. Being a Christian for nearly 30 years, I've seen a lot of people come into to, to the church. And I've seen a lot of people leave the church. I've seen a lot of people come in that are some of my best friends. As a matter of fact, I've done ministry with a lot of people who are no longer in the church. I've done ministry with people that actually say now they're atheists. What happens is when, when the storms come, if your faith is not grounded and, and the roots aren't running deep, what happens is as soon as the hardships come, as soon as the trials come your way, as soon as the wind starts to blow and the sun starts to beam down, you all of a sudden, instead of running to God, you start running away from Him. Because your roots just really aren't that deep. There was a guy one time, I was at a very impressionable age in my life. I came to Christ a couple of years before, early teenage years. There was a guy that I looked up to because I like music. Every time I saw someone that, that was older and that sang, I always, always just looked up to that person. And um, there was a guy that was a teacher one time, and, and, and I looked up to him a lot. And um, he came to my church a couple times and sang. And I don't know, I grew up in a free Baptist church. And man, when you got it, you just got it. And the Spirit was moving, and you were jumping, and everybody was praising the Lord. It was just a good time. We had a good time in the Lord. And this guy would come in. And he would sing about Jesus coming back. He would sing about heaven. He would sing about the grace of the Lord. He'd sing about all these things that just got us all fired up. You know, we're ready to, to, to run into hell and put the, the fires of hell out with a water pistol. I mean, that's just, we had that kind of experience. I met him one day. We were at school. And, and I asked him, hey, when are you going to come back and sing at our church? Can't wait to hear you sing again. You know what he said to me? Clayton, you can only sing about the Lord coming back so many times. I'm done with that whole church thing. I'm done with that whole God thing. Can you just imagine for a moment what that did to a 14-year-old me? I was blown away. 
Maybe something happened in his life. Maybe he had been praying about something and God didn't do what he asked him to do. I don't know. But as a young man, it absolutely broke my heart. It broke my heart. Thank God it didn't deter me from my own faith. I don't want you to ever experience something like that. I don't want you to experience someone coming and saying, I'm done with that whole church thing. I don't want that to be you. And so today, I don't want you to have counterfeit faith. I want you to have genuine faith where your roots run deep. Your roots run deep. Maybe you're in church and you're doing the whole God thing and you're doing the Jesus thing. Maybe you've even led small groups before. Maybe you're on the hospitality or the guest services team here at the church or the media team and then something bad happens in your life and you just kind of walk away. How deep are your roots? Jesus told this parable, and I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus told this parable about your roots and about faith and about the seed and all of that, reaping and sowing. And He said, sometimes there's a little plant. We throw down a seed. Sometime the, sometimes the plant grows up, and then the thorns come alongside it and choke it out. I was with my mom the other day. We were over at the house, and, and I saw my mom. They have a little small garden out there, and she was out hoeing the garden, and I'm like, why are you doing that? I've never hoed a garden. I'm sorry. I did help her plant some things, so don't look down upon me. But um, she was like, well, i got to get all of the weeds out of here. And then it hit me. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. Because when the weeds overtake the plants, it affects the growth. Sometimes the roots don't grow deep enough. And whenever troubles and hardships come, suddenly they get scorched out or choked out. Listen, with everything in me, I just don't want that to happen to you. But oftentimes we see this. Well, I have a migraine today and I've been praying about it, but God hasn't taken away. Is there even a God? I lost my job. I prayed about it. I still lost my job. My grandma passed away. Does God even care about me? We have these questions. Actually, it's in these times that when you have genuine faith and your roots run deep, when the sun beams down and the winds begin to blow really hard, you're able to stand strong because your faith is real. Now, I don't know about you, but that's what I want in my faith. Trials prove your faith. What's so interesting to me is that when Jesus, what Jesus does, he contrasts two things. He says, in me, you're going to have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble. In me, you'll have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. That's a part of being in this sin-filled world. I said this earlier, but here's what I want you to know today. We live in a sin-filled world. And while you still have skin on and you still have breath in your lungs, you will sin. We don't reach a plateau in this life and we don't sin anymore. If anyone teaches you that, that's false. We will not be perfect until we reach the other side we get to heaven one day and put on a new body, the Bible tells us, where sin doesn't corrupt us anymore. We will sin in this world. We try really hard not to, but we will because this world is broken. Jesus said, one day, I'm actually going to come and I'm going to make all things new. I'm going to wipe away all the tears from their eyes. I'm going to bring a new heaven, a new earth. The former things are going to pass away. Because the former things are corrupt. That's the life that we're living in today. Sin-filled. And because you live in this world, because you have this flesh, 
you are not immune to the trials and the hardships of this world. But you can have peace in Christ. You can have peace in Christ. Trials and troubles prove your faith. If you're still standing today, your faith is real. If you're still here worshiping through one of the hardest times in your entire life, still trying to worship the Lord with all that you have, your faith is real. You have roots. And here's what I know with everything in me. If you are listening to me today and you're going through a difficult time, I'm telling you truthfully, he will you'll turn your mourning into joy. He will. He'll turn it all around. So the first thing is trials and hardships prove your faith. The second thing is they also prepare you for purpose. Trials and hardships prepare you for purpose. It's not something that's happening to you. It's what God is doing in you. You want to grow stronger. You want to grow deeper in your faith. You want to be prepared to do more. You want to be prepared to do whatever it is that God has prepared for you in the future. Newsflash, ease and comfort never make you stronger. Ease and comfort never make you stronger. Resistance actually strengthens your faith. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials and hardships prepare you for purpose. When you go through things, things that, that you wish you never had to go through, you're being prepared for something so much greater. I've had so many doors slam in my face. Literally slammed in my face. I've lost jobs and people that have absolutely meant the world to me. I've been through heartache and pain and things that many of you would never imagine that I'd gone through. I've had setbacks. I've had hurts. I've done things that you wouldn't believe. And sometimes you may be tempted to say, I don't even see the point. Like, I'm just discouraged. I'm overwhelmed. Many of you might even say you're afraid. Listen to me. Could the things that you've been going through, could they be preparation? God's preparation. Could it be that God's pre preparation comes packaged as pain? Could it be that God's preparation comes packaged at pain or packaged as pain? Could it be that the very thing that God is preparing you for, that thing that he wants you to do later in your life, it comes packaged as hardship and trials and heartache? How did God prepare Joseph in the Old Testament? How did God prepare Joseph, Joseph to rule over Egypt? By being rejected by his brothers by being sold into slavery and by being falsely accused of something that he didn't do. <laughs> I'm sure Joseph didn't wake up one day and like, I'm sure God's preparing me to be the, the ruler over Egypt. He didn't think that probably in the moment. How did, David, how did God prepare David to rule over Israel? <laughs> by being looked down upon as a scrawny little boy who the only thing that he could do was look after the sheep. That's how he prepared David. By being chased and threatened by the king who was jealous of him. That's how he prepared David. These men develop resilience 
through resistance. Could it be that God's preparation for you often comes packaged as pain? Tell yourself today, guys, this is a mind shift change. Many of us don't want to do this. We just want to kind of lay in the pain that we're dealing with. But tell yourself today, it's not just pain. It's not just what's happening to me. It's what God is doing something in me. God is doing something through me. He's strengthening me. He's preparing me for something so much better. He's preparing me for something that he has in store for my future. Your loneliness is teaching you to, to trust God like never before. Your betrayal that you experienced before is helping set you up so that you can uh, learn to, to, to love God, giving you the capacity to love God and to love others in ways that you never imagined before. The setback that you've experienced, that you've gone through, is a setup for God to show off and to show out. He's preparing you for something so much better. If today you're wrecked with pain and you're struggling on the inside and maybe not another soul in this entire world understands what you're going through, if today you're wrecked with pain, there's always a purpose in your pain. Notice what I didn't say. I didn't say there's always a purpose for your pain. I said there's always a purpose in your pain. You know that God that loves you so much? Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, or where you're going. He loves you so much. God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a hurt. It proves your faith and it prepares you for his purpose. And today, I hope you embrace the good news. I hope you embrace the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the news of his grace and his mercy. The news, the good news that I'm talking about is not the news that, that he delivers you from your pain and your heartache. The good news is that he forgives you of your sins. That's the good news. The good news is that grace is here today and grace is real and He's working in all things. He never promised that your life would be a bed of roses. He never promised you a pain-free life. Following Jesus isn't about having everything that you want here on earth. It's actually about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Him. This world is temporary. This world is passing away. This world is fading away. And that's why Jesus said this. That's why he said this. In this world, you will have trouble. And then he says, take heart. That's not the end. Just because you have trouble in this world, that's not the end. He says, take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have heartache and pain. It's inevitable. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, you will have pain and heartache. You may cry yourself to sleep at night. But in Christ, you can have a peace that goes beyond the understanding of this world. Here's the way it looks, okay? Around us, all around us is pain and heartache. All around us is grief and trouble and loss and, and, and pain and all these things that are hurting us. All these things, it's all around us at all times. But Jesus is in right in the middle of all that and he says, take heart because in me you can have peace. Although there's pain all around you, 
I can be as broken as you can ever imagine. I can have gone through so many things that you would never think about. I can have experienced so much hurt. And yet I can stand on this stage today and preach to you with all that I have. Why? Because I have a peace that the Bible says surpasses all understanding. That in the midst of all this grief and all this turmoil and all this hurt and pain and loss, I'm steady because my roots run deep. I don't want to have counterfeit faith. I want to have real faith. I want my roots to run as deep as they can. And I want the same thing for you today. And so that's my question for you today. You can call it a challenge if you want. But I want you to examine, examine your faith. Are you living with counterfeit faith? Every time something happens in your life, do you find yourself getting mad at God and starting to run away from God? I got to get out of the church because God's not taking care of me. I got to get away from people that love me because God's not taking care of me. I need to do all these things and run as far away from Christ as I can. Is that you? Or when troubles and trials come your way, do you run straight toward the Savior? Do you run to the Father? you fall in his arms that's the question when you face troubles and trials in this world do you run to him or do you run away from him listen I get it today God is speaking to someone maybe in this room maybe it's online but someone's heart is like this right now you know God's speaking to you you've known it all service long your heart's just pounding It's what God does. He speaks to us in a still, small voice. And he's saying, run to me. Don't run away from me. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Would you stand? Father, I love you. I love you, God. And I thank you so much for Jesus Christ. My son, your savior. Your son, my savior, God. I thank you, God, that you have prepared me. And you're preparing everyone in this room and everyone that's listening online today. You are preparing us for something so much greater. You don't waste a hurt, God. You are preparing us for something so much greater. Father, help us see the purpose in the pain. And help us glorify you with all that we have if there's anyone in the room today as everyone's heads are bowed that is running from Christ that's running from God today is the day the altar is open I would love to pray with you this morning I'm probably going to be sitting in the front row in the middle if you would like to pray today I would love to pray with you if you're watching online on church online just click that prayer button and someone will pray with you today let's begin to turn our hearts to God and worship him Speak to him. If you need to do business, what we call doing business with God, praying at the altar or asking him into your life to be your savior. Let's do that now. Now's the time.